We're Missio Phoenix, a community of God's people learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. After he sat down, his disciples came. Then he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are blessed when they insult you, persecute you, and falsely say every kind against you because of you. Be glad and rejoice, because your reward is great in heaven. For that is how they persecute the prophets. Father, we pray that you would help us to hear your word addressed to us this morning, that we would have our eyes and ears and minds opened to receive what you are speaking. God, that you would speak through me, that I would be out of the way, that you would do what you want to do in your people today. We ask this in Jesus' name. So I was gone uh, last week. I, I missed gathering with you all. I still haven't even had a chance to listen to Will's sermon yet, but he was teaching through the, the wedding when Jesus changes water into wine. And I was at a wedding, actually. It was at my brother's wedding. I was officiating it in Oregon. And surprisingly, it went very well. For my family, there was no drama at all, which, if you know my family, that was a gift from God. The only drama that happened at the wedding actually came from somebody who wasn't part of our family, and no one really knew. He was like dating a bridesmaid for about two months and came to this wedding and had a little bit too much. And so after the ceremony, my brothers and I all took turns standing outside and playing the role of bouncer to keep this guy from coming back into the barn and stirring up trouble. And I was thinking how ironic it was that the text that we were in that week was Jesus turning water into wine, and I was just praying that he would actually get rid of the wine that day at that wedding. It was pretty crazy. But after that, we had a great time celebrating as a family. There was one day where we went to this. My, my brother asked, do you want to go to the watering hole with us? And I thought he was talking about a pub or something. I was like, yeah, sure. But it turns out it was an actual like watering hole. And so there's this ravine and there's water. There's a waterfall coming down. And there's this cliff that you could jump off of. And the water goes so deep. So you can just jump right into the water. And so our kids actually did it. They went and they jumped off of the cliff. And I wasn't going to do it. I didn't want to get my hair wet, you know. So I was like, no, I'm good. But uh, I, there were a couple kids who were like, hey, I'm a little nervous. So I said, okay, I'll go with you. So I jumped with them, and it was so fun. So then my two younger brothers went to the highest point of the cliff, which is about twice as high. And they're like, we're going to jump off of this now. And I was like, I can't let my little brother do this, and I don't do this. But the first time I ever said that, I ended up breaking my arm, skating down a hill. So that was kind of going through the back of my head, too. But I was like, you know what? You only live once, right? So one up, it was me and my two younger brothers. And count of three, the three of us all just ran and jumped off of this cliff together. And as soon as I hit the water, the water, like, smacked me in the ears. 
the, the force of the water, the pressure, it was literally like getting punched in the ears. It was so hard. And then the water was so freezing cold, it like shocked my system. And then I went down so deep that I didn't know where I was. I was like, am I, is, is that the bottom or is that the bottom? I don't know. And then finally, it felt like an eternity. I came back up and I almost forgot to hold my breath before I went into the water too. It was like the last second I got a half breath. So I finally got back up and I was like, oh, I could breathe. And then we saw this amazing cave over on the other side. And my brother was like, let's swim to the cave. And I was like, let's go. So we swam over there. It was awesome. But that first initial jump shocked my system. And I think that's kind of what happens in Matthew 5 with what are called the Beatitudes. The blessed are those, right? Be honest. How many of you, uh, when you read it, you read blessed? Be honest, right? You never say blessed at any other time in your life when you're saying that word. No one says hashtag blessed, right? We say blessed all the time. But there's something about like reading from here, you just want to say blessed. Blessed are those. And so when Jesus is, is sharing these ways that you are blessed in life, it's called the beatitude, which is the Latin word means blessings. It's a shock to everyone's system. See, who's there right now are four categories of Jewish people who are trying to figure out who this Jesus is. You got the Pharisees, the Sadducees, you have the Essenes, and then finally the Zealots. So Jesus had been going around and he had been doing all kinds of things since his first miracle, turning water into wine, and he's starting to get attention. And people are going like, what in the world is happening with this guy? We got to check him out. And so at this point, there's a crowd following him now. And he leads them up to this mountain and he goes, okay, now that I got your attention, have a seat. Let me tell you some things. And the, the groups of people who are there, the Pharisees are people who they're holding on to the law of the Old Testament. They're holding on to the law of the old ways, how God had come and spoken to Moses. This is how I want you to live. Well, guess what? Now they're, they're in captured by Rome. They're, they're oppressed by Rome. Rome has total control over the whole world as they know it. So they can't really live the ways God had fully called them to live. But the Pharisees are trying to hold on to that still. They're saying, hey, let's, let's get back to the law. And then you got the Sadducees. And the Sadducees, they're religious too, and they're, they're trying to follow God's ways, but they're also a lot more comfortable with the ways of Rome. So what they're doing is they're adopting the Roman Empire and their lifestyle into the lifestyle of following after God, Yahweh. So they're going, hey, let's just get along with Rome, right? Then you got the Essenes, and the Essenes are like, this is crazy. This world's crazy, and this government's insane. So what we're going to do is go hide out in the mountains a little bit or go off into the wilderness, and we're going to create our own little commune. I was sitting around with some friends last night, and they were joking about starting a commune. And I was like, you guys are sounding a little cultish. I told people we're not a cult. Come on. So this is what the Essenes were doing. They would, they would go off kind of like a monastery, like monks, and they would have their own little separate way of life, right? So they're just trying to get out. And then you had the zealots. The zealots were going, this is not the way God called us to live. Rome is not following the true God. We got to fight them. We got to take power back. And we got to do it by any means necessary. So you had the Pharisees who were trying to get back to the old ways. You had the Sadducees who were just trying to get along with everybody. You had the Essenes who were trying to get out of the craziness. And then you had the zealots who were just trying to get crazy. They were trying to throw down, right? And so all of them come here. They all have this expectation of if this is who he says he is, 
If this Jesus is who John, the guy who baptized him, says he is, if he really is the person who has come from God and come to make all things right, let's hear what he has to say. And they're all expecting him to say something that fits their own agenda. And Jesus starts saying stuff that just like smacks them in the ears. It's a shock to their system. It knocks the breath out of them for a moment. And finally, when they would come up out of the water, there's a choice. It's like, do do I want to swim to the other side and follow this Jesus? Do I just want to go back to my old ways? So Jesus starts saying some things that are radical. And I wish that we had the time to do like a whole series just on this, on the beginning of Matthew 5, on what's called the Beatitudes. This is the start of what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. And what I love about this is like, this is Jesus preaching. So if you don't like any of it, it ain't my fault. This isn't my sermon. This is Jesus' sermon. And I just get to say what Jesus said. But this is what kicks off a whole series of teachings from Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount. And we could just spend like weeks and weeks, maybe months, just looking at these 12 verses. We don't have time for that because we're doing an overview of the whole Bible. And so maybe one day we'll come back into that. There's actually, at at the end of this, I want to share with you a way that I could invite you in to dive deeper into this with me over the next couple months outside of Sundays. But I'll get to that. But the main gist of what Jesus is saying here is this. I want to read it again. I want you to see if you can pick up a pattern. Verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger, thirst, righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will seek God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. We got to stop for a second and ask the question, what does that word blessed mean or blessed, right? What does that word mean? And in its most simplest term, the most simple translation is it just means happy. And everybody wants to be happy, right? Like who does not want to be happy? You're lying. Stop lying to us. Everybody wants to be happy. But this is a deeper thing than just being happy. Like when you eat a really good burrito and you're like, oh, that made me happy right now, right? Like this, this goes much deeper than that. This is like the deepest sense of joy, fulfillment, contentment. Blessed. We throw that word around a lot in our culture. Like every Instagram post is like, I just hit my PR in CrossFit this morning, hashtag blessed, right? Like, no, no, this is the most deepest yearnings of your heart. This is what you want. Jesus is telling you how to get it. How do you think you get it? How do you have all those deepest desires of your heart met? Because the reality is a lot of us are coming into this the same way those four groups of Jewish people did, right? The Pharisees, Sadducees, Essenes, and Zealots. We all have our own agenda. We all think the world is messed up in a certain way, and we all have our ideas of how to fix it or get away from it. And we all want to live the blessed life. But this messed up world, it's in the way. So Jesus is saying, let me tell you how to do it. Blessed are those who are poor 
the spirit. Like that's not the thing you would expect him to say next. Blessed are those who have everything they want, right? And blessed are those who are poor in the spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's a sense of need, of yearning. Blessed are those who have their fill, right? No. Jesus is like smacking you in the ears right now. And he's shocking your system. He's knocking the breath out of you. Every single one of these is a sense of need. Poor in spirit. Those who mourn. Grief. Sorrow. Those who are humble. That's not what our culture says. Right? Bless those who are strong, who are mighty, who are powerful. Those who stand up and take charge, who are strong leaders. No, no, Jesus says, blessed are those who are humble. Those who actually will take a back seat. Those who will go to the end of the line and let others go in front of them. Those who will be willing to give the last thing they have in order to bless another person. Those people are blessed, Jesus says. Hunger and thirst, the merciful. Man, if somebody wrongs us in our world today, like, mercy is the last thing on our mind, isn't it? Like, you don't understand what that person did to me. They're going to get theirs. Or I'm going to cut them out of my life. Like, we have a whole culture of even counseling that is convincing us if someone wrongs you, that's toxic behavior, cut them out of your life. And listen, there is a place for that, right? There's a place for that when there's like abuse and things like that. So please don't hear me wrong on that. But Jesus is saying something extreme here, to show mercy to those who have wronged you. Peacemakers. We're not about peacemakers. We're not about highlighting and exalting the one who makes peace. We're about the ones who are right. Everybody else is wrong. No matter what side of the aisle you're on politically, it's like that side just needs to be dealt with. They need to go away. We need to show them the right way, and they need to come over to our side or else. Jesus is saying, no, 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 make peace between these two. This story, scripture tells us that Jesus actually tears down the dividing wall of hostility between two groups of people. What he does is he brings them together as a people. You know who else was here listening to this? The 12 people Jesus called to follow him to be his disciples. And out of that 12, they're all radically different from one another. But let me just give you an example of two of them. You got Peter, who is one of those zealots. He wants to go and he wants to fight against Rome with power, with might, with a sword, and take back what's theirs. He loves his people, Jerusalem. And then you got Matthew. Matthew's a tax collector. Now, we don't like the IRS in our day, but this was way worse back then. A tax collector back then was a Jewish person who decided to work alongside the Roman government to take from his own people, give it to Rome, and skim some off the top for himself. So this was a traitor. You got Peter, a zealot who loves his people. Matthew, a tax collector who's a traitor to his people. The zealot would have wanted to chop him down with a sword. And Jesus called them together to be not just friends, not just fellow students, but to be brothers. Peacemaker. 
Amen. Is that what I heard? Amen. Great. Y'all can let out some amens every now and then. This is what he says. Blessed are you who are persecuted. I don't know about you guys, but if I'm feeling all these things like hungry, thirsty, angry, like if, if, if I'm feeling like people are walking all over me, if I'm feeling poor and beaten down, and I'm feeling like I'm being persecuted, that doesn't make me feel very blessed. Jesus is saying, if you want to be in my kingdom, this is a whole different way of viewing life. It's not that you got to start checking these things off your list and go, man, like I've been feeling pretty good about myself. I guess I got to beat myself up now and be poor in spirit, right? That's not what he's saying. This is not a checklist. What he's saying is those who recognize that you are in need, come and be filled. We started off this gathering this morning with that verse from Jesus. It says, come to me all who are weary, who are heavy burdened, and what will he do? He will give you rest. Actually, I think I have that verse up there, Patrick. I might be going out of order right now, but there's a verse up there where Jesus is saying that, come to me all who are heavy laden and broken down. Just go to the first one and we'll see which one it is. <laughs> Thanks, Patrick. Okay, go to the next one. I think it's Matthew 11. Go on. Yeah, keep going. Thank you very much. This is what Jesus says. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. Do you catch that? Jesus doesn't say, take up my yoke and learn from me because I'm the boss. Because I'm the king of the whole universe. Because I have the power and the might. All that's true about Jesus. But he says, take up my yoke and learn from me. Why would we learn from him? Why would we follow him? Why would we come to him? Because he's lowly and humble in heart. Doesn't that seem so backwards from the way we do things? This is what we're told in Philippians. No, I have that one later. Uh, actually, no, I didn't even give you that one. I'm just messing Patrick up. Go to Philippians 2 with me. Philippians 2, verse 5. says, adopt the same attitudes as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God. This is like he had the full glory of the creator of all things one with God himself. Did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. He's not going to come down and say, follow me because I'm the king. Instead, verse 7, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross which is the most torturous murder device known in the world at that time. Stripped naked, shamed, and humiliated in front of everybody. You guys remember the beginning of the story and we started going through the overview of the story of the Bible, right? That at the beginning, when the first two humans, when they rebelled against God, they saw their nakedness and they were ashamed. Jesus steps into that. He takes on being naked and shamed in front of everybody. He takes on the form of a servant. He was in the very nature of God himself. 
but he emptied himself out. He became like one of us. He made himself lowly and humble. And because of that, he can now say, come to me. Follow me. You'll find what you're looking for. Verse 9 in Philippians 2. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. The way up is down. It's backwards. If you want to be exalted, you go in the footsteps of Jesus and you humble yourself. So that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. When I was going through all this, it was, kept reminding me of another time, another story of Jesus when he's meeting with people. And this is the one I had Patrick skip. It's in Matthew 19. In Matthew 19, Jesus is teaching. And again, he has some of these religious people come up to him. And they start challenging him. So all these words, they're challenging him, try to figure out, like, does he really follow the ways God set out for us? What's up with this guy? And as he's teaching, then little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray. It was the disciples, those are the 12 following Jesus and others who followed him. They rebuked them. So they're like, go away, kids. Don't bother Jesus, right? And Jesus said, listen, kids, this is for you. Leave the little children alone and don't try to keep them from coming to me. Children, you can come to Jesus because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Why? He was just talking to powerful people. We're trying to figure out how to get there themselves in their own power. And he's going, these kids know they need. need someone to care for them. They need someone to feed them. They need someone to shelter them. They're coming to me knowing that I can do those things. Knowing they can come to me. Whatever you're dealing with in life right now, Jesus is saying, you can come to me. Let them come to me. Not just children. You can come to them with your addiction. You can come to him with your broken relationships. You can come to him with your anxiety. Let them come to me. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. That sounds familiar, right? Beatitudes, who are poor in spirit, who recognize they need. And after placing his hands on them, he went on from there. Just then, someone came up and asked him, Teacher, what good must I do to have eternal life? He's looking for the checklist, right? And Jesus says, Why do you ask me about what is good? He said to him, there's only one who is good. He's talking about God the Father. If you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. So he's saying, yeah, I'm all about the law God set out. So the guy goes, which ones? And Jesus answered. He's like, basically, you know them, right? Ten commandments, he starts reciting off. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. And the guy says, listen, Jesus is setting him up. The guy says, I've kept all these. He's done all the right things on the outside. He's, he's hit his checklist. I've kept all these, the young man told him. What do I still lack? Somewhere deep in his heart, he still has a yearning for the blessed life. He still recognizes there's something there I'm missing. So Jesus says this. You want to be perfect. And that word is not like the way we use the word perfect. It's actually better translated as complete, whole. If you want to be whole, Jesus said to him, Go sell your belongings and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard that, he went away grieving because he had many possessions. This guy, he was rich, he was powerful, he had it made. 
And Jesus knew you're finding your identity, your worth, your value in what you built up for yourself. What you need is to find that you are really poor in spirit. What you need is to find that you are lowly. That without me, you have actually nothing. Are you willing to give up the things you've built for yourself, the identity you've made for yourself, in your own work? Follow me. That man went away sad. He knew he needed something more, but he wasn't ready to drop what he had. What's our response going to be? Blessed are those who recognize they need Jesus. Come to him tired, broken, weary. Say, I need you. Listen, you don't have to get everything right. You're going to keep messing it up. But Jesus says, you come to me, I will give you rest. I will be with you through it. And I will teach you how to get up and walk in my footsteps. Follow me. Let's pray that we would be those people. Father, we ask that you would help us to walk the blessed life of recognizing that we need you to fill us. We need you to strengthen us. We need you to give us rest. And we thank you, Jesus, that you exemplified all of these things for us by taking on the very form of humanity, by living a life in poverty and obscurity, by serving others, by serving us all to the point of death, by going deep down into the grave, lowly and humble. But we also thank you, Jesus, that you rose victoriously as king with new life in the spirit of God. And that we are promises saying that if we follow in your footsteps, that if we submit ourselves to you, we too will be resurrected with new life. That we too will be raised in your glory and live with you in eternity. And so, God, I ask that you would help us to do that. For those here who don't know that, God, that you would stir their heart to come to you. For the rest of us, God, we need to continue to come back to you, David. Help us to do that in Jesus' name.